In Chapter 6 of Screenwriter Survival Guide, we're getting our hands dirty in the world of indie filmmaking with award-winning director Timur Butzin. On today's episode, we discuss why every writer and filmmaker should be out there practicing their craft, especially when you don't feel inspired, how to run a respectful, efficient set for short films and features, and how to get unlimited free rides in a Lamborghini. Spoiler alert, it helps to be a cute child filmmaker. Let's face it, Hollywood is a lot, but for many of us, it's the only life we can imagine. I'm Sam Brooks, and my goal with this podcast is to take not-yet screenwriters from their first homesick night in Los Angeles all the way to the red carpet. Welcome to Screenwriter Survival Guide. Today on Screenwriter Survival Guide, we're shucking the studio system and going at it alone. That's right, we're talking about indie filmmaking. To help shed some light on this subject for all of us, I'm joined today by a brilliant indie filmmaker whose films have collectively amassed over 18.5 million views on YouTube. While he's been written about in the LA Times, Voyage LA, and even been tapped to write to direct a documentary for the hip-hop group VOTG, his beginnings were anything but grand. Born in an orphanage in Kazakhstan, he was, adop- he was adopted by an American couple at the age of two. Throughout his childhood, he was plagued with chronic ear infections that made it all but impossible for him to hear his teachers and learn English. Nevertheless, he persevered and became stronger because of it. He was always creatively minded and launched his first creative venture in backyard Halloween maze at age 16. But what he really wanted to do was make films. So at age 17, he directed his first film, a short called Hermanos, and upon dropping it on YouTube, was shocked to watch it amass tens of millions of views. Since then, he's made another film, several music videos, and is developing a feature adaptation of his first film. So without further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show the one and only Timur Butsin. Timur, welcome. No, thank you, Sam, for the amazing intro. Uh, I really, <laughs> really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for having me on your uh, podcast. Absolutely. I am excited to jump in. So I always kind of start in the same place. And that is, uh, where did I want to talk a little bit about your journey as a filmmaker? When did you know you first wanted to make movies? And kind of how did that manifest in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I personally never knew like, oh, I'm going to do films or I want to do this. Um, I think that actually came from a passion I had for cars when I was really young. And I was like, my whole thing was like, how can I ride in these like really cool cars, like Lamborghinis and Ferraris? I was like, how can I get in those? So it's like, maybe if I make a video and like say, Hey, I'm recording a video of your car. Can I ride in it to get some footage inside? I can get a ride. So it ended up working out. And, you know, I was like, Oh, I was filming these cars. My dad uh, and mom were really supportive. My dad was driving me back and forth to car shows at like 5 a.m. And like, I'm just trying to record yeah. all these cars. And then um, a couple years went on and I, I started making a little money off that, upgrading my gear. And then I came to a point where I realized, oh, do I, do I want to keep filming people's cars or do I want to own my own car? So that kind of hmm. triggered me to kind of move forward on from that. And I realized I wanted to tell like a story rather than just making a cool video about a car. So that gotcha. translated to... um me doing like a short film which actually involved a ferrari and then um Mm -hmm. then i was like you know what i want to do something more than just that and then the idea for hermanos came about and um where uh i was going to school and i saw some things happen in front of me 
or not in front of me, mm-hmm. but I, I heard about some things that happened and it kind of just formed this idea for this film mm-hmm. I wanted to tell between two friends and how your own um, f- family can, you know, protect you, but also come between your friendship. And so that's kind of yeah. where my uh, interest in films kind of began, you could say. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That's so interesting. So it's almost like you were the original influencer. Like if you're go- if you, uh, if you want free product, you just uh, at someone enough times, and they'll give you a free product. So you were just like, I want free rides in the car. Yeah. I'll just make videos. Maybe I'll get rides in the car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was just trying to figure out how can I get in those cars? So yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think Hermanos is, is a very beautiful film and you, you talk a little bit about it, but I was wondering if you could go a little bit more in detail into detail and what made you, why that story? What, what was, what was it about the, the story of these two, uh, friends who basically are like brothers, obviously, as the, the title suggests, but are forced apart by, it's almost a Romeo and Juliet, like a platonic Romeo and Juliet kind of story, I thought while I was watching it. And I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit to what made you want to tell that story particularly. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question, Sam. You know, so I used to go to uh, at my uh, old high school when I was attending there, you know, there were a lot of gangs and um, they're like, uh, I had some friends who were in gangs and their older brothers were in gangs. So mm-hmm. um, one of my friends, he got uh, he got jumped by some gang members. And um, oddly enough, I know both parties, which was funny, but um, he ended up getting jumped. And then the next day, his older brothers came in like three, two or three cars circling the school mm-hmm. looking for these people who jumped him the night pre- previously. So, you know, that kind of just unconsciously started roaming through my head. And I was just thinking about like, that's crazy, like how far his own family would go to protect him and get mm-hmm. revenge, you know? So I think that kind of started get, getting the gears rolling in regards to the idea for Hermanos. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't actively looking or I didn't even know like I was a writer, you know, I wasn't, I don't mm-hmm. personally like feel like, oh, I'm a writer. You know, I feel like in order to tell a story I want to tell, I need to write mm-hmm. it because that no one else is going to make the story for you. So that's kind of how I think I got my intro into writing. And I do a uh, big part of my writing career, which I feel very grateful for is my father and um, mother who were really super supportive. And, you know, my uh, father and mother were yeah. able to give really great insights into like what I was trying to convey. And like, you know, they took my idea of, and my like rough script. My dad taught me how mm-hmm. to format the scripts and everything. So I feel very fortunate mm-hmm. for that. Um, but that's kind of the genesis of Hermanos and how that began. Gotcha. So you weren't looking to make a film. If this story just kind of fell into your lap um, in your real life, and then you were you started to see it as a as a film. Is that am I getting that right? I think that's pretty accurate. Um, you know, I haven't looked back at it too much. Like, how did that start? So mm-hmm. I think uh, you digging into that. I think that's pretty um, accurate in regards to how that the ball got rolling on that. Gotcha. And did you ever consider trying to make a feature or were you just like, no, I'm, this is, this is a short story. Or were you just like so overwhelmed by the concept of trying to make a feature at the time that, that you were, cause I know you're working on a feature version of Hermanos now, but um, not to kind of jump on later in the conversation, but uh, did you ever consider just going, going at it, trying to get fun, trying to fundraise for it? I know your parents are somewhat in the industry. So, or was that never, never crossed your mind? You know, that honestly never crossed my mind at all. Um, I don't even think the idea, I knew I wanted to tell this film and I didn't care how long, uh, how short or long mm. it was. And I, I do remember just being focused on like 
just the next step. What do I need to do to get this film made? You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about, okay, what I'm going to do with distribution. I didn't know any of that at the time. You know, this was my first right. short film. I didn't even, I didn't know much about film at the time, you know? So I'm just going into like, what do I need to make this happen? <clears throat> I knew the vision I wanted to, uh, I had for this film. And um, mm-hmm. so I just started, <clears throat> I saw um, one of the lead characters in it. He goes by the name Scar. I saw him on a YouTube and I was like on, <clears throat> on a YouTube video. And uh, I was like, this guy needs to be the older brother. So I did my research, contacted him. And before I knew it, I was having a meeting with him and he, him and his girlfriend, Irene, at the time, they were both really passionate about the story I was trying to tell. So they really helped bring, um, you know, the authenticity to it through bringing friends, actor friends to it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely wasn't thinking about, oh, is this going to be a feature or a short film? I was just focused on getting the mm-hmm. story made. So when did, because I know you eventually did start developing it into a, into a feature film. So when did that, when did you decide to make that story? Was that after, are we talking after it blows up on YouTube? No. So I, um, right after we filmed the actual short film with the help mm-hmm. of my two parents and I, and I want to, I can't say this enough, you know, I feel so fortunate and grateful for the support of my two parents who were mm-hmm. the producers of that short film, but who also have really helped me personally like get that film made and i've learned a lot Mm -hmm. from them and you know i think the way i look at it is like you know the circumstances i was very grateful to land in a family who's very loving and caring and um you know so i I feel very grateful for that and i know not everyone has a supportive um backing like that so i feel super grateful and you know um i think just moving forward i want to try and give that back through you know other ways throughout my career but yeah so that's kind of how that started Gotcha. And so how, when, when we're talking about this set, the, the first, the, the set for Hermanos, it, the, the, that film comes across as like half a mil or something. It comes off as incredibly high budget. It's, it's pretty long. It's about 30 minutes and it just looks, it, it looks like I could see it at Sundance and there, there really are no cracks in it from the, you know, the, the, Oh, just amazing for a short film so how how were you, how like structured was your set how much it seems like you kind of came into this without knowing too much about the industry without much of a, a background so was this just like obviously dumb luck doesn't exist when you make something as good as what Hermanos was but how did you go how, how did you make that your first film like how what how structured was your set how professional was that production did that production go yeah, well, um, I think one of the things, and I know your friend uh, Johnny Santana, a mm-hmm. mutual friend of ours, I think he talks about, you know, you don't really think about um, how you're going to build the plane before jumping off the cliff. You know, you take that jump mm-hmm. and knowing you're going to start building it while you're going down the yeah. thing that fall. And um, I think that was the same exact thing. You know, I wasn't thinking about what what about this? What about that? You know, I was 17 at the time, so I wasn't thinking about like, oh, the big future of this i was just wanting to make it i just mm-hmm. wanted to see this on screen i didn't think about oh, right. what i'm gonna do with it when i'm done i just wanted to make it so um that was a really big pushing force for that and then um mm-hmm. you know when my grandma passed away she left me some money for college and i mm-hmm. i've never been one for a classroom i've always i can't sit still in a classroom you know <laughs> I, if there's something i don't want to learn I, I can't just sit there and like oh i'm gonna listen you know so I knew college definitely wasn't for me. And uh, for me mm-hmm. personally, 
I learned from hands-on experience and, you know, just experience. I think that's the biggest learning tool we have out there um, mm-hmm. when it comes to the creative field. So, you know, I was, I was just focused on like, let's get this made. I used the one, I used the money my grandma gave me. Um, and then mm-hmm. um, while we're doing this production, my parents who were producing it at the time, they're like, Hey, look, you're not going to have enough money to finish this. So we'll, we'll, we'll chip in as part of your college and mm-hmm. we'll consider that co- the college funds we're putting towards your film. Right. And so just like, you know, how a lot of parents pay for their kids going to college, that was their kind right. of contribution to me gotcha. uh, individually and as a, a, a filmmaker. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think um, the we had a super talented team. Um, David Chari, I think finding the DP was a big up mm. process because i think when we were doing the development and hiring process you know i think i was 16 at the time and you know right. so finding a dp who's experienced enough to help execute my vision but also also you know who doesn't want to step over and be like oh this kid doesn't know what he's doing or does mm. have, you know someone who understands and is on the same level as me so you know we got really lucky with uh we went to afi and uh talked around a little bit and uh, got some uh submissions from dps and um david char and i just clicked from our first meeting mm-hmm. and you know he's elevated every vision i've had and just t- taken mm-hmm. it to the next level so i think it's a big uh big team effort it's big credits to the crew backing us and also a big uh big uh shout out to david chari too who's always been gotcha. able to elevate and take my vision to the next level Gotcha. So let's talk about that crew for a sec. So you, you mentioned you, you mentioned about uh, finding a cinematographer, or, sorry, mm-hmm. the DP. Yeah. But for the rest of the team, how big was your team, and how did you go about finding them? Were people working pro bono? How how did you you work to get this budget? Were you guys guild at all? Yeah. So I knew I know the one thing we all agreed on going into this. This is going to be a non union shoot. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want anyone who's you know in the guild at all so we just wanted to do it all um solely independent with no one in the union so Mm -hmm. um going about that process you know i was so focused on the creative side uh that like it was a big undertaking on the producing side that both my mom and dad took on and at that Mm -hmm. time i i didn't have the uh knowledge to like look at like the producing side the creative side the writing side i was just focused on how do i get this film made what do i need to do you know and all the creative aspects. So I wasn't right. uh, really involved with the hiring process, but I do know that, you know, when, when David Chari, the DP and I clicked, you know, he was able to bring on some crew members he knew. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, crew members wise, that's how we went about that. And then um, for some additional crew members, we used production hub actually, which really um, works well. And then, um, but yeah, that's kind of mm-hmm. how we assembled the crew. Um and then, yeah, what was your other question, Sam? Oh, that was, you, you answered it very well. Um, so you mentioned crew. So how, how about casting? What was that process like? You you nailed the casting. You mentioned, you talked about Scar a little bit earlier mm-hmm. and finding him. But I know, I, I may get the, I may have had this wrong, but I know I was listening to uh, your podcast, great podcast, Inspiration of Now, the other day. Oh, and you were speaking with someone about the streets to the set. And I'm not sure, you said you worked with some people affiliated with that before were you actually using them for casting on hermanos or reflection or was that separate and you were just happened to be working with some of the same people yeah so i um actually met uh the the founders from the streets of the set after um the production of hermanos was da- mm-hmm. done um mm-hmm. so when it goes down to the casting and authenticity 
of this film. I personally knew what I like. I knew like I wanted something authentic, and I've seen thing people actors and good actors trying to play something they weren't. So I wanted someone who could just come in with ease and play this like play these roles with second nature, you know. So I think the big big uh key part of element of this film was scar and irene at the time who were just really Mm -hmm. helped push that authenticity you know they they were able to bring in people who never acted before but who could play the part you know um Mm -hmm. so you know that was a big part of this film um so i big shout out and big um yeah big shout out to scar and irene who just really helped nail that casting um i know my mom did play a big part of that too helping like find some casting so uh, some for some other roles, but I know that was a big part of why we were able to bring a really authentic um, cast and uh, to the screens. Gotcha. So when I first moved to LA, I didn't even consider making my own stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I just I was just waiting for someone to find me, which is I think a lot where a lot of not yet screenwriters start mm-hmm. um, or filmmakers. So what would you say to somebody screenwriter or screenwriter filmmaker who doesn't feel like they have it in them to start making their own movies. Cause I think that's a very dangerous place to be at because it's so easy to sit in that indecision for yeah. years and years. And that's how someone never, you know, quote makes it quote. Yeah. Um, and that's a really, really great question, Sam. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, um, I think a big part of that is comfort zone. You know, I think I, uh, what mm-hmm. I've been tapping into lately this past year or two is just understanding your comfort zones and, you know, um, like, like just stepping out of those comfort zones. And I think mm-hmm. we, we all hear it a lot. Hey, step out of your comfort zone. It's easy to hear it and, but not, remember. but not remember or if, like put it into effect. And I think the main thing that, that like at the time, like if you're waiting for an opportunity, you know, your that opportunity is not going to be created without you actually actively going out there. So whether you're looking for an opportunity, you know, um, you're just by sitting back and hoping someone's going to knock on the door n- never usually works. And I think to, to the, to the, to address the question about, you know, being nervous and scared, how do you take that next step? I think it's, um, a lot to do. And I actually, it's funny. I have this quote right here that I think um, paints mm-hmm. it perfectly. It was actually from a Disney movie I was watching. <laughs> I just scribbled okay. it down on a post-it note, but it's right here on my <laughs> computer. It says, uh, you have to take the first step before you're ready. And mm. I really, really think that applies to life. You know, you know, right. oh, you know, like, I don't know if I'm ready to move out from my parents, you know, I'm going to wait here or, you know, you got to just like, Oh, I don't know if a job's I can do a job yet. Or you gotta take the first step before you're ready. And I think that applies for anything right. in life, whether it's films, you know, if it's doing small goals, big goals, you know. And I think that 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 applies to a lot of things. Just keeping that in mind, you have to take that first step before you're ready. And right. um yeah, I think that kind of sums it up in a nutshell. Yeah, no, I think that, dude, that is so true. Um, there, there are so many different variations on that quote, but I think that's a really great way of putting it. Just, it, you're never going to feel, it's never going to feel ready. This, this thing, I think Hollywood perpetrates a lot, this idea that at some point you, you find your passion or you find mm-hmm. this thing that makes you come alive and, yeah. or, or you, you find sudden inspiration and that's when you're going to go be an amazing writer or that's when you're going to go produce the best short film that's going to win all the awards and, and you're going to get your Oscar right. at 25. I think 
you're you're never gonna have that inspirational moment. Yeah. That, that's not how things work. Yeah. Like I've never once been inspired to been like just walking around my day and been like inspired to go write something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and written a genius thing. It always comes from sitting down and writing. And I kind of hated it first, and then as I keep going that's when it starts to kind of flow. It's kind of like yeah. stretching. When you work exactly. out, you don't just immediately start just go doing like hundred pushups. Mm. You start stretching your muscles Yeah, and you can never, like you're saying, like if you wait for that inspiration to strike, it will never strike. Yeah. Well, and that's a great, great point, Sam. And to swing mm. back to what you're saying, I think um, for me personally, I think I've never like, and I think the same like mentality is, no, don't focus on the materialistic things like, oh, an Oscar, a Grammy, a, you know, whatever field you're in, you know, I think focus on the passion that you have, whether it's for music, whether it's for painting, whether it's for art, film, don't like I've never once focused on like, I, I'm doing this to win an Academy Award or I'm doing this to go to film festivals. I'm doing it because I truly feel like I want to put this out there. I want to make something that I truly believe in. And, and mm-hmm. you know, if at the end of the day, if I've impacted one person who's watched this mm-hmm. film and, you know, it's truly made an impact on their life, I'm done. I'm, I don't need a, mm-hmm. an award to to prove to me that, oh, I'm great for myself, um, right. you know, achieving like to feel, oh, proud of myself. No, absolutely not. It Just making it uh, the project in itself, whether it's a painting, you know, just doing mm-hmm. it is the biggest thing. And so like, I think the a big piece of advice I have for anyone who's listening is don't don't think about the materialistic things just think focus mm. on what interests you and on your passion and don't think about oh what if i could get this into a film festival or what if i want right. who cares about that it's irrelevant mm. because you know that your passion is the thing you have to focus on and like you were mm. saying and when the the inspiration is there you gotta roll on it like and i, I and i've right. learned that you know i i feel like just a couple months ago when the inspiration is there you gotta roll on it don't put it mm. off you like I'm going to work on that tomorrow and I'm going to do this. You got to like just zone right. in on whatever's inspiring to you right that moment and zone in on it. And that, I think that yeah. touches up on what you were saying, Sam. So, yeah. Yeah. I think whenever I find myself getting caught up in the materialistic and I'm, I am not like a guru at this at all. I'm in fact, it's something I still definitely struggle with of being like, Oh, I want to be, a, I want to have achieved these things in order to call myself a screenwriter. Yeah. Um, but whenever I find myself doing that, I think back to other things I've wanted in my life mm-hmm. and things like I get really weird about tech, new stupid tech products. I love new phones, new yeah. computers, new TVs, all that shit. And I always think back to like, okay, the coolest phone you got when you were in the first phone you got in your, in your high school, you thought about it for like months leading up to it um what did it feel like after you got it? yeah and then you realize you're exactly the same person after you got that thing you really thought was going to change your life and yeah. it's I, I think that's the thing i'm like it doesn't matter what i get it doesn't matter if i get like you were saying a ferrari or a lamborghini i'm still gonna be me i'm not yeah. gonna suddenly become someone else when i get those things and when i win my oscar yeah i'm going to still be me and right. that's why i think it's like you're saying it's so important to have that like the thing, the deep passion for what you're doing. Yeah. Um, That's a great point too, Sam, mm-hmm. because, you know, you're, it, it, it's as simple as this, you know, for you doing this podcast and anyone who's listening, it's like, you know, you're like, 
regardless of where you are at now or 10 years down the road, let's say you're very, very wealthy. You know, you've won three Oscars. You know, you've won all the awards you can think of. You know, you're, you're, everything's going on great. You're, you're still going to be doing the same thing that you're passionate mm-hmm. about, just like you're saying. So the, the materialistics and the items mm-hmm. and the money doesn't change you or your passion, you know? So I think that's exactly like great, great. Right. Point, man. right. Yeah. I think that that's definitely, that is definitely good. And not to say that the material shit is cool. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to be a monk my entire life. I right, don't right, think right, like, right. I don't think saying like, I don't want an Oscar. That just sounds kind of fake. Like, yes, if I could have an Oscar, I plan on maybe not an Oscar. I don't know how much I'm going to go into features, but an Emmy, a bunch of fucking Emmys, just a whole yeah. wall full of Emmys. Like, yeah, I want that shit. I'm going to have that shit, but right. that right. can't be the reason you're doing it because that's just, it's so hollow. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. All right. So that was a nice, that was a tangent, but I think a good tangent we went on for a minute. Um, so let's kind of get back to the more nitty gritty of um, actually making these things. And so in both of your films, you had a relatively large cast for the uh, time and, and the budget you had. So and, and you had some like older people in the in these films, especially when you were 16, 17, making these movies. Uh, so how did you cultivate a sense of authority on your sets when you were decades younger than some of your cast and crew? That's a great question, Sam. I think um, one of the things is the passion. Like, I, I never wavered or questioned myself at all. Like, I wasn't like, am I doing the right? I didn't get in my head at all. I was just mm-hmm. so focused on, and this film needs to get made. This is what I want to tell. And I think a big part of that was just my passion conveying to everyone else and understanding the story I wanted mm-hmm. to put across and them seeing how motivated and passionate I was about telling this story that, you know, mm-hmm. when you see someone that passionate, you're not going to be like, you know, hey, kid, what are you trying to do? And, you know, so I, I, I don't think my confidence ever wavered because I was mm-hmm. so confident about, you know, what I wanted to do. And, you know, my passion was there. And I think that's the big thing. The passion was there. And, you know, the famous saying is like, you know, I, I treat treat people with respect and you'll get respect back. And I think mm-hmm. a big thing on my set on any sets and future sets is treating everybody with the same amount of respect regardless of Mm -hmm. the position and i think at the end of the day if you give respect you'll get respect and i think that's kind of how that how that went about for hermanos and some of the other projects the screenwriter survival guide is brought to you by getmeanagent.com This is a different sort of ad. No money is exchanging hands here. Why? Because Get Me An Agent is my company. Whoa. For less than $20 a month, Get Me An Agent is the fast pass to hundreds of Hollywood lit agents and their contact information. Plus 24-7 support from actual industry professionals via live chat and email, free email templates to help you reach out, and so much more. Want personalized help? Send us your script and we'll match you with five agents and five managers who've worked on similar projects to yours. I'm super excited to be offering listeners of Screenwriter Survival Guide a very special deal. You'll get one free month plus half off your subscription forever when you use the discount code SURVIVE at checkout. That's S-U-R-V-I-V-E. Now, I'm going to level with you. As of recording, I don't personally have representation. 
I say this to clarify that Get Me an Agent is by no means a panacea. As anyone who works in the industry will tell you, there are no shortcuts to the hard work of becoming an excellent writer and building your Hollywood network. What Get Me an Agent provides is a way to connect young screenwriters with their most important connection in the business, their reps. And we've already connected many of our customers with agents. So try it out risk-free today. Visit getmeanagent.com and try a free month with no commitment. And when you're ready to take the leap, use the discount code SURVIVE to get half off your plan forever. All right, guys. Now, back to the show. So you touched a little bit, bit on this earlier, but since this is a screenwriting podcast, um, yeah. can you talk a little bit more about the writing process? Especially, I know you touched on Armando before and how that just kind of came about sort of randomly. So let's talk about um, reflection for a minute, because I think both of your films, they, they do not feel like first scripts. The dialogue in Armando's is like, frankly, really good. So not just to like uh, boost your ego there, but like it it's really well written for a first script um, from just like the, the obviously the overarching story and the emotional beats you hit and it's very effective, but it's also the, the nitty gritty of the dialogue and yeah. the, just the, the mechanics is very good for a first script. Um, so what was the writing process like for, for both of these films and how, how did it differ? What lessons did you learn uh, when writing and directing the, the first Hermanos and then bringing that brought to reflection? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the biggest thing that was in my head and is still in my head to this day while I'm writing projects or working on other projects is less is more. And I think that's, it sound, you know, it's exactly how it sounds. But like, sure, there's like, I know I understand like there's a bunch of different writing styles, but for me personally, less is more. And I always personally like, let, like I like to write down, okay, this is, what I'm trying to convey, you know, um, and then let's, for example, you know, uh, the, the scene is, uh, the guy says hello to a girl walking by and it just says, hello, how are you? Right. Sure. Like, um, you could write it in a thousand different creative ways, but at the end of the day, you know, that's however you write it, that's the idea. But when I take Mm -hmm. it to a set to the set, you know, I like the actor to read it and like kind of feel out the situation they're in. And once that picture is painted, let them roll with how they would like naturally mm. bring that about. So that's kind of how I approach the writing side. And um, yeah, so, and, and again, I, I was very fortunate to learn that, you know, from my mom, who's like, less is more, mm-hmm. less is more. And that's always been painted in my head since, you know, the start. Mm-hmm. So uh, Hermanos is definitely more tightly scripted, I'd say, it, it, from the, from appearance than, than reflection. Did When you went on to reflection, did you have, were you still writing like a formal script or did you just have kind of a rough outline of the beats you wanted to hit? There's not much, there's no meaningful dialogue and reflection as I remember. Yeah. Um, no. yeah sorry. Oh yeah, so. no. So that's exactly um, it, Sam. So if you were to compare Adermanos and uh, reflection, um, the scripts side by side, you notice how Adermanos is a lot more dialogue heavy and reflection mm-hmm. is very, um, a lot less dialogue and more focused on the actual beats and the scenes so uh that's kind of where those two differ and i think going into reflection you know my main thing uh my main goal and theme i was trying to convey through reflection was you know 
how how two different environments can contrast with each other. So I was more focused on the actual visuals of those and the audio design compared mm-hmm. to the actual dialogue for that one. Gotcha. So exactly what you said, Sam. Gotcha. Um, so what were the biggest lessons you learned on Hermanos that you then took into your later projects? Wow. Um, you know, there's, you know, and I think the biggest thing is, you know, doing, making something, just, just going out and doing it, whether you're going to go film a friend for a day, like, Hey, I want to film you and make a little video of you going around town or whether it's, you're going to go make your first short film for a day. It's the actual experience. You could dream about it, think about it, make it your goal all you want. But until you actually go out there and start the filming, whether it's on your phone, you know, you have a little, some friends with you, you go out with a crew, that's where you're going to learn. And that's where I've learned everything I know, you know, just, you know, what I've learned. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so going out there and doing it is how you're going to learn. You know, you could read books, you could watch videos, but it doesn't compare to actual hands-on experience. So, yeah. With that, some of the big things I've learned from Adamanos was less is more. That was a big one. Less mm-hmm. is more. Um, I think, um, you know, just just being really calm on set, you know, it's easy okay. to get like, oh, how, this, that, uh, what about this? And then, you know, you, you talk to your actors too fast or and they, they get confused. So just kind of slowing everything down and taking breaks when you need them. Um, and, uh, I, there are so many lessons that I learned from Adamanos as it's hard to right. think of some, but, uh, going to reflection, you know, um, a lot of people on reflection donated their time as compared to, uh, Adamanos, we were able to pay a lot of people really low rates, but for mm-hmm. reflection, you know, almost everybody did it pro bono. Um, mm-hmm. the biggest thing is food, feed your crew. Well, I, th- I can't <laughs> um, say that enough, you know? you can't drive a car without gas or you can't drive a an electric car without any um uh energy so you know um you gotta food is the most important thing don't cheap out on your food and don't cheap out on your sound you know hire whether Mm -hmm. even if this is your first film or your fifth film use a professional sound mixer who's done this a hundred times pay pay the the rates that are gonna get you that quality typical rate mm-hmm. for someone who's really experienced and knows what they're doing is anywhere from 300 to $500. And that's on the really low end. Um, but mm-hmm. if it's like an independent project student film, I'm sure you can get rates like that, but don't cheap out on your sound and make right. sure you have more food than you need really need for your crew. Cause if you, if you end up not having enough food and your crew's hungry, you're not going to be able to keep moving right. forward. So th- those are some of the key things i would want to highlight out of everything gotcha so food and sound that's funny yeah um i know like the the sound it cannot be overstated so johnny you know our mutual friend and i are going into production this fall winter on our first uh well not his first my first uh feature yeah and i was just shocked when he told me the budget we're spending something like a fifth of our entire budget just on sound yeah um it's just, yes, it's, it's, I think what it also makes sense because obviously it's an audio visual experience and the visual is half right. of it. And I think it's, it's, or sorry, the audio is half of it. And uh, I think it's really easy to kind of forget about that because then it's just sound. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's great. So food and sound. Those are yeah. good to. And congratulations on. on you and uh, Johnny and your team uh, starting this new endeavor. That's really exciting. 
it's exciting. It's scary. You'll have to congratulate us when we're at, when we've done it. it it's, 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 uh, not, not quite. We'll have to, we'll have to, um, you know, actually do it first, but, yeah. um, well, just taking that, we'll just taking that initiative is really great, Sam. And I think, um, a lot of people, you know, who are like, like you said, waiting for opportunity, they just got to mm-hmm. make, take that opportunity start writing, start writing things that resonate and with right. them and they have a passion for, and, you know, and then you just start making those steps towards something like you're doing yeah. right now. So initiative is everything. Yeah. I think the other thing for, for writers like to, to take away is it, you don't have to write a script every day. I think it can feel really daunting when you think, oh, you have to write. Like I run a website that tries to help uh, screen unwrapped screenwriters get agents. And one of the, the key things we tell people before we tell them to start reaching out is uh, write at least six scripts. Mm-hmm. And that can feel super daunting. And that's a bare minimum, by the way. But yeah. uh, that can feel super daunting, I know, to be standing at the, at the you know, the, the start of that. But it, you don't have to write these scripts every day. Mm-hmm. I have a rule that I, well, I had a rule for a really long time. I kind of changed it recently, but I had a rule for a really long time that said I had to write three pages a day. And for mm-hmm. me, that took me, like, I could do that in 45 minutes if I wanted to. Yeah. And that was just the one requirement I had for my writing for the day. And so I think, like, the other, the, it's easy to say, oh, jump in and harder to do it. But I think, especially if you're a screenwriter, and especially if you're a screenwriter who isn't writing, which yeah. shame on you. Um, but it, it, you can literally start, if you have to start with half a page, you have to start with writing a slug line every yeah. day. Um, mm-hmm. One line of a page every day, opening final draft every day. If you're just yeah. doing that, that will, more things will come from that. I think it doesn't, you don't have, it's, it's really easy. I was, reading this book by uh, uh, Dr. Burns, Dr. David Burns, um, called Feeling Good that everyone should read. It's a you know book on uh, anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And he said it's like anxiety, and I think it works for uh, dealing with your career as well. Like anxiety, people look at it kind of the wrong way. It's kind of like if you looked at food, like yeah. uh, you tried to think every time you sat down to a meal, what is yeah. all the food I have to eat in my entire life? Yeah. And you would just get so overwhelmed and you wouldn't want to take a bite. Yeah. So you just look at like, okay, what's my meal for today? Writing wise, like right? What is what am I doing today? Or directing wise? Like, what is the yeah. what is the one task I can move forward today that mm. will put me in a better place than I was this morning? Yeah. So it doesn't have to be this massive thing you do every day. That and um, that, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a great point, Sam. And I think to really put that into what you're saying into context. For example, I want to give this example. Like, so you look at a hill, or you look down the the street. And it's like really far, right? And that's kind of how you might view, oh, that's where I need to be, but it's so far. <laughs> and so, you know, when you're walking down the sidewalk and you look down and there's like, there's squares, right? When you walk, <laughs> you see those squares. What I do sometimes is like, I just look straight down at the squares and I just look at each like line or step in each box, right? <laughs> each little square. And I don't look up and there's like this really big hill and uh, that I walk up sometimes and I don't look up at the hill, you know, mm-hmm. I just look at each little square I'm stepping on. And like, I don't think about it. I just step, step, step. And mm-hmm. before I know it, I'm at like the top of the hill and I look down, I'm like, right. wow, that was pretty, like I made it. I didn't think about it. And I think that's exactly the same thing. Like mm-hmm. to keep in mind, you know, like one step at a time. And uh, I think um, the big part of screenwriting isn't just, you know, the dialogue and the writing, it's the actual concept of the story. And I know I struggle with that a lot. Like, I'll have an mm-hmm. idea like, oh, this is a really cool idea or a really cool concept, but there's really no story behind it. And I think one of the things that has really helped me and I, I suggest for anyone out there who's, you know, has a story idea or 
you know, digging for that inspiration for the story, for an idea they have is just write yourself some simple questions. What is the story I want to tell? Why do I want to tell this story? And, you know, just some things like those questions like that, just those two questions alone will really help you understand why you really want to tell that story, you know, write it down on a piece of paper on your computer and just sit with that question and answer it truthfully and keep flowing with it. Don't stop. Like, Oh, I wrote a good answer. Just keep writing. Don't worry about spelling. Just Mm -hmm. keep writing about it because I've done that. And I can't tell you how much it helps me realize the story or realize the plot points I want to tell in a film, you know? So that's a huge thing. So always ask yourself Mm -hmm. why you want to tell this story and um, always what what it is you want to tell and always write it down, whether it's in your journal or on your computer. I think that's a big thing that's really helped me personally. Hmm. Kind of like, what is the story and why is the story? Yeah. This could be to do like first thing. That's interesting. I think, yes, I think. Uh, uh, yeah, I, for a long time, turned my nose up at the concept of theme in, when writing a script. And then I realized very recently how absolutely boneheaded that was and that you're Mm -hmm. if you're not thinking about theme you have missed the entire point and i think why is this story is uh kind of a very good way of kind of tricking yourself into thinking about theme if you're someone like me who by default is like the theme i don't need to deal with that yeah Uh, because the why of the story is the theme and it is very important yeah exactly well 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 recap sam All right. So you've released both of your films on YouTube. So for any other interested filmmakers out there, do you recommend this approach? And how would you recommend any filmmaker in general go about distributing and marketing their low budget films? Yeah, well, I'll give you the whole backstory on this, Sam. Um, Mm -hmm. So we finished the whole process of Edermanos, a very great learning process for me, you know, met a lot of great people, Um, very a process that's really, you know, Every it's not just one person, you know. I was referred to a piano. You can't play the piano chords without if a key's missing or not working. So everyone's teamwork comes together like a piano when you play the the piano. So everyone's teamwork came together for this, and everyone's hard work, you know, was was shown and you know put into the the film. But so I didn't like I was saying earlier, you know, I wasn't thinking about oh how I'm gonna release this. I didn't care. Like I knew I wanted to make the film. That's all that mattered. But now the film's done, you know, and I was like, all right, what should I do? You know, submit it to a few festivals. But then I was like, I just want to really like put it out there on a media platform. So I put I think I put Adamanos on Vimeo first. And then Mm -hmm. um, then just to put it there, I wasn't even thinking, like, what am I doing? I just put it out on Vimeo. And then maybe about a like couple weeks later, I was like, oh, you know what? If I want to share this with my grandma, she's not going to know how to use Vimeo. So it's like, <laughs> and I was just playing around the idea, like, should I make a YouTube channel for this? I mean, that's kind of silly. Why mm-hmm. would I make a YouTube channel for a film? And I was like, right. ah, why not? You know, and I'm just keeping in mind, I'm so young. I was like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to do that. Right, Made yeah. a little YouTube channel, uh, put the video on there. And I was like, all right, great. Shared the link with my grandma. And that was that, you know, and I think, right. uh, and I didn't pay much attention to that. And keep in mind, I had zero subscribers because I made a new uh-huh. channel, right? Zero. So right. I was just like, all right. Hermano short film. Here's the video. Shared it to my grandma. Maybe like a week or two later, I got one view. That was that. But I was happy. I was like, you know what? I put it out there. Right. And I'm really happy. And that was the biggest thing for me. I didn't think about like, oh, I want views or because I was just so focused on, you know, the passion of making that film, you know, share it to some of the crew members, let them see that. But that was that. And then 
I for a couple months I didn't do anything and I was just like all right whatever I would I would actually look at on Vimeo like what 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 are the views at like sometimes and then to be like ten oh eleven I was like oh that's pretty good that's pretty good and then uh, I didn't pay any mind to YouTube and then one day you know I was like that's so weird I I for I checked on the YouTube channel I was like oh I got five comments like wow that's really cool I got twenty oh forty views you know and then one day yeah. it just started picking up picking up and I was like wait this is so weird. And I remember when it hit a million, everyone on the cast was like posting on social media and everything like, whoa, it hit a million. And we we're like, what the heck? Like, we did not know what to expect, you know, and we we're like, what the heck? So I think and, you know, to the point where it's gotten now, you know, I think I'm so grateful for that. But I think more than just the views, you know, I think it's connecting with the audiences. And, you know, I think the biggest pride I take out of this and for everyone on the crew involved in front and behind the screen the mm-hmm. camera you know is that this film connected with the community and you know it, it connected i personally think because it was a story authentic story that i wanted to tell and you know um so the lead and actually a lot of the mo- like uh identi- identifiable characters in that film you know tell me like bro people come up to me they're like hey are you from this film so for example scar the lead actor He's and I, his uh, girlfriend at the time, Irene, were just telling me like, "Oh my gosh, it's crazy! We can't walk anywhere in our neighborhood because they're from South Central and yeah. you know, connected with a lot of people down there." Like, and these little kids are running up to us like, "Hey, are you from that short film? Or are you from that <laughs> film? Oh my gosh, can we take photos with you?" And they, I keep talking to them like, I'll get phone calls from um Scar and Irene here and there like, "Oh my gosh, it's crazy! Like these kids are asking to take photos." They're like, they really loved it. And then like either even from some of the other crew members, like, bro, I can like, you know, it's just crazy. Everyone is like talking to them. And I think the big thing was it connected with the the community and the audience. And that's the biggest thing for me. I create a film because I believe in the message and I want to share a message and, you know, create something that's meaningful. And I feel like others can relate to and connect with. And that was the main goal. Mm. So, yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, you definitely connected with people. Um, so if you had like one kind of hope for what people would take away from Hermanos or reflection, uh, what would that be? I mean, there probably are different things to take away. What is the message you're hoping to people take away from your films? Yeah, um, you know, I never really go into thinking about like what is like, I, this is what I hope they take away because I know that everyone's interpretation of a project, whether it's art, paintings, you know, murals, whatever it might be, will be different from the next per- the person next to them. So I never go into it like I really want them to take away this message. I, I, I'm always like I make it with the intention of this is the what I'm trying to express. I want, you know, mm-hmm. but I never go into the intention like I want them to feel like this. Take this away because everyone will have a different interpretation. And I think that's the beauty of beauty of art having different interpretations you know someone might read a script of yours and be like wow i love this part is so it really connected with me um because of this and then someone else might read it and and not even connect like that and connect in a different perspective or aspect of the script so that's kind of the big thing for me just uh letting it be interpreted so yeah yeah i think that that is definitely there's definitely something really magical to that when you there's something you didn't even put together. And I think having a writing this movie with Johnny um, has been great because we've had, we've been working on this script now for like two years and, uh, or sorry, not that, like a year and a half. Um, and just the, 
the, the fact that I can write something or he can write something and the other one reads it and takes some completely different message yeah. or it, it connects the film in a, in a way neither of the, the other one didn't see. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like it's, it's the closest thing I've ever had to that thing people talk about of like, you're not writing something, you're receiving it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, you're creating things that you don't even connect and then someone else connects it to something else and it's just the most insane experience. It's yeah. the most amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yes. By far, by far. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's yeah. mind blowing really. Yeah. So let's talk about the other side of this distribution process real quick. Um, so you've gone through the awards push twice now with your films um, and you've been quite successful. You've won and been, you've won awards and been selected in multiple festivals for both your films. Um, so do you have any advice for filmmakers who might have a film that they're about to start submitting to festivals right now? I think the main thing is that you made the film for the right reasons and you made it because you believed in it. If you made it because you believed in it and you wanted to share your story, that's all that counts. That's all that matters. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you start going to the festival circuit, keep that in mind. You didn't make it for the festivals. You didn't make it for the jury on those festivals. You made it for yourself and the audience, you know? So just know that like r- right before you put it into festivals, just keep that in mind and understand that. And then once you put it to festivals, if you get into a festival, awesome, but don't like depend on it, you know, because at the end mm. of the day, you made it for a, a, a wide range of audiences, not just a very specific elite jury at a festival, right. you know, and if they resonate with that, that's amazing. But just remember, you didn't make it for festivals, you made it for the audience. And I think, you know, yeah. when always, I always strongly suggest putting it through the uh, festival circuit. But one thing I learned early on, and um, that I still am learning now is never submit a project until it's done. You might be like, I want to meet this deadline. And I've been guilty of that. I like, I want to meet this deadline. Let me just submit my work in progress. And I submit it. And, you know, I think the big thing is just waiting patience. That's what I'm always learning. I'm learning it Mm -hmm. till today to years ahead of now patience. That's the biggest thing, but just Mm -hmm. knowing that have the project finished before submitting it to festivals don't like that's the biggest thing i've learned so with that uh is patience that i've big time learned and um just knowing that everyone's opinion and is different and um Mm -hmm. uh rejection is part of the creative process and um if you're going to be submitting to festivals know that's a high percentage of festivals and um not to be discouraged by that whatsoever because at the end of the day if you stick true to yourself and knew that you made it for your for yourself and you had a passion to tell that story that's all that matters and so when you know when if you get rejected by festivals pay no mind to that because they're you know they're looking for something else but you just know that you made it purely from your passion and that's that's the key thing to take away right all right man before i ask my last question where can people find you online and i always ask this little curveball too What's one way to guarantee you respond to their message and vice versa? What's one way to guarantee you delete it? And that, I love that question, Sam. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, so if you want to connect with me, I personally don't do any kind of social media or anything. Um, so you can do uh, losfeelisfilms.com and then you can contact us there. Um, and then um, I'm trying to think, uh, I think on my IMBD, there's my contact. So if you, um have imbd you can go to that in my contact emails there uh i think one of the big things in if you're gonna send an email and it for to be received 
is just your make sure your passions are like like if you're reaching out for some like i know i've like reached out to people in the past like hey i love your work i love what you're doing you know da 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 like oh can we work together collaborate i think the main thing is start out i used to start all my emails like hello nice to meet you my name is da 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 but i learned you know over the course of like writing emails and i'm sure you've gotten really good at this sam is uh start out with why you're reaching out hey uh I really loved what you did. Your work speaks to me or uh, you draw me in as a person that it does start with the compliments and why you're reaching out, then introduce mm-hmm. yourself real quickly. And then I think that's that. And um, uh, I think, yeah. So if someone were to s- send me an email, like, Hey, I really, uh, you know, your work spoke to me, da, 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 da. And um, here's some of the past projects I've done, or even if you haven't done any past projects and you're just looking for experience, that's fine. Because the fact that mm-hmm. you actually took the time to, find my contact to write an email and send it to me is a huge step. So just by having that energy and that next step to create opportunity is everything. So you, by that, by doing that, you've created an opportunity um, by reaching out to someone. And I've actually met a bunch of really talented people through that just by them reaching out to me, like, and to our, the company and like, Hey, we really did it. And we've, uh, and now I work with them on professional levels. So, just making that initial step and make creating the opportunity and not waiting for it. That's the big thing. That is a great, great note. All right. And then this your screen, right? What was that? Oh, and I, just to address your one question about how not to get it read. Yes. Um, <laughs> if you, if, if you're like, let me just put something together real quick. Hey, nice to meet you. Uh, please check out my work. Uh, da, 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 and you send it you know i i've learned always re, re, re-read your emails if you're going to send a really important email um wait and read it in the morning uh wait a couple hours uh-huh. come back to it if it's a super important email and reread it because i i know i've wrote something and i'm like this is good i've reread it good good and then i send it and then i'm like oh shoot there's a typo or you know just some small <laughs> thing and those small things don't make or break it but like they add to you know your presentation as or how you're first introduced so really take that time to read over your email and uh, make sure it's thought thought out and then so yeah that's that's the main thing for that part gotcha all right awesome okay final question round two i always call this your screenwriter survival tip Mm -hmm. what is the number one thing you tell a young screenwriter or director listening to this to do in order to not only survive but thrive in this industry yeah um okay so i think a lot of us look at this what whatever industry we go into you know how are you going to survive this people say it's the real world you're going out to you know you got to be aware of that f all Mm -hmm. that honestly f all that stuff because you're not, don't think of it. Oh, I'm, I'm going into the deep waters now, or, you know, don't think about it like that. Stick true to your passion because Mm. you're never going to never think about like, okay, I'm out in the open world. Things are going to be crazy and hard, you know, hell no, you know, just, uh, you know, be like, if you know what you want to achieve, you know what you want to do. That's all you need. That those are your strongest tools. You don't need anything else. Don't worry about, Oh, you know, rejection or people are, I'm scared, you know, don't worry about all that. And it's not, uh, don't worry about survival because, you know, when you think about survival, it's like, I gotta, you know, and survival is a state of mind where you'll do anything just to survive. You know, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll take down anyone, you know, if you're, 
So <laughs> and it's not a state of survival in all honesty. If you're doing something you love, you know, there's certain aspects of, you know, jobs that are survival. But, you know, if you're doing something creative and something you love, definitely don't look at it like I have to survive. You know, look at it as like, how, how can I get experience? How can I expand my knowledge so I understand more things? If I don't understand this, let me go do this. Like, for example, I think a screenwriter should step in the shoes of go on set more, kind of look at like how things are going. Um, if you're like, oh, that's super cool. How do, how do I go about that? You know, I really love films. I've watched a lot of films, but I don't know how to start. Like, how do I get on a set in the first place? Because I know it's really hard to reach out to people, da, da, da the way I got my start into film uh, into like really professional sets was I wrote an email out to a bunch of production companies that I thought were that I liked. And um, out of like, I think 30 or 40 emails uh, companies two got back to me and one of those ended up working out and I interned there and um, that turned from an internship to a PA job and that evolved into some other jobs. And I learned so much from that. So, and, and building your network around you, don't be scared to go out to social events you know, really just build the network around you. And that's the biggest thing. And um, never look at it as how do I survive? Look at it as how can I just get gain experience and go to it with an open mind, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So that is a great place to wrap up there. Um, and I think this last of a great quote, I think, to bring us out with, and that is a quote by Jim Carrey, and that is that there is no such thing as a performance, there is only practice. All right, my friends, until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Hey guys, before we go, I have a quick ask. If you found anything on this show valuable, I would really appreciate it if you would go to Apple Podcasts, go to Stitcher, go to wherever you listen, and give us a quick rate and review. It doesn't have to be anything long. It doesn't have to be anything super in-depth, but that is just the best way to help grow this community. If you think other screenwriters would benefit from hearing this, a rate and review is the best way to make sure our podcast is seen by as many screenwriters as possible. Thank you guys so much, and until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. If you have questions about this episode, you can reach out on Twitter or Instagram. We're at SSGpod. And I'm on Instagram at Sam Brooks Presents. And don't forget to tune in next time to the Screenwriter Survival Guide.